Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. I hope you are having a wonderful day. We are on to the next episode of the Addicted Mind podcast. My name is Dwayne Osterland, and I'm your host. Today, our guest is Jared Callahan. He is an award-winning director and producer. He founded and runs People People Media, an Emmy-nominated production company based on a 95-acre farm in the San Francisco East Bay that specializes in personal and unique stories that help give others a voice and increase empathy. His work has been released through the New York Times, PBS, GQ Magazine, The Atlantic. He's had projects premiere at the best film festivals in the world, including Sundance, South by Southwest, and the Tribeca Film Festival. Jared has served as one of the Atlanta Film Society's filmmakers in residence and produced The River is Red, which played over 100 festivals, won 43 awards, and qualified for the 2019 Academy Awards in two categories. And today we're going to talk about his new documentary, Clean Slate. It's a feature-length documentary that provides an immersive, verite look into the world of recovery amid the biggest drug epidemic in American history. It's about two individuals, Cassidy and Josh, as they attempt to make a short film during their recovery and rehab stay. So Jared is going to talk about how the documentary Clean Slate came to be, how it was first formed, and how he decided to take on this project after being approached by one of the main subjects, Cassidy, who wanted help making a short film, and how they put that all together, and what he learned about addiction and recovery in making Clean Slate. It's a great story. The movie's awesome. Definitely recommend everyone watch it. I think you'll get a lot out of it. It really shows recovery in a very real and empathetic way. 
So I hope you enjoy this episode with Jared. And if you're enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please think about writing a review in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I really do appreciate it. I read them. They mean a lot to me to know that the Addicted Mind podcast is having a positive impact. So for everyone who's done that, thank you very much. All right. Stay tuned for this episode. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My guest is Jared Callahan, and he is the director of a documentary called Clean Slate. You've also, sounds like, directed a lot of different documentaries, award-winning films and, and such. So I'm excited to have you come on and talk about this film, particularly since it has to do with recovery and all of that. So let's just jump in. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you, and then we'll jump in to talk about this documentary and how it came to be and, and all of that stuff. You bet. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about this film. <laughs> I started making movies by doing skateboard videos in high school. And fast forward to studying media production in college and doing everything, you know, radio editing and newspaper and falling in love with short filmmaking, which led me to the last decade. I've been running People People Media Foundation, which is a nonprofit that's aimed at hosting artists in residence to come work on a farm. We're based out of a 95-acre farm just south of Oakland, California. And we have people come from all different art mediums to work alongside each other, to be encouraged by each other, but then also to beat each other up and to critique each other's work to make our work better. And so we I just did the animal chores this morning. I was feeding chickens a half an hour ago <laughs> and uh, feeding the goats and letting the sheep out into the pastures. So it is a fun blend of slow down, put your feet in the creek, but also make art that engages the world. So that is me. I'm a farm living filmmaker that seeks true stories, much like what we stumbled into with Clean Slate. That's awesome. I mean, that sounds amazing to be able to do that and, and combine that all and to bring these human stories to everyone else so people can understand what people are going through. So Let's just jump in about Clean Slate in this documentary. I just finished watching it last night. It is such a touching story about recovery and addiction and, and all the stuff that goes with that, you know, the wonderful progress and the setbacks and all of that. So give us a little brief synopsis of, of this documentary, Clean Slate, so everybody kind of understands what we're talking about. Clean Slate follows two men who live in a residential recovery facility. And they seek to use art to process their own traumas of their lives. And so in our film, we follow them trying to make a short film that they've written, directed, and filmed that kind of features their healing process. And as I was there mentoring them and helping the guys make art or make movies, I realized, oh man, it, like Josh says in the movie, there's a reason people don't make movies in rehab because it's impossible. It is quite a dynamic flowing every day and the ups and the downs are sharp. And I realized when I was there working with the guys that uh, maybe the best way that we could guarantee that we'd end up with a film is if at the same time that they made a short film, I and uh, some documentary filmmaker friends of mine 
came on to make the feature film Clean Slate. So the short film exists that they made. No spoilers. You got to watch the film uh, for the ups and downs of that. But we, I'm very proud of Clean Slate and the story that it tells with these guys being incredibly vulnerable about their journeys as well. Yeah, you really just see their their story. You see their life. You see their struggle, and it's it's a, it's amazing to watch that and to see that, and and for them to have the courage to to put that all out there. So they approached you about this. So so how did this start to kind of come about? I was speaking at the Atlanta Film Festival on the panel about my own film. I had a feature film that was there. And then I spoke on the documentary 101, you know, how to make your movie seminar. And afterwards, two guys came up to pitch me an idea for a movie. And that never works out well. That's always a thanks for talking about it. Good luck, but I'm busy. And one of the guys was Cassidy. So I went out to a coffee and ended up sitting with him for two and a half hours and hearing his story. And I, he was amazing. He was passionate and honest and he had a big heart. He just wanted to make movies. And I resonate with that. Movies are a safe place for me. I feel seen in different ways. I learn about the world uh, through them. I think movies are a great venue and they, they tap into my heart and, and brain. So I went out to see the recovery facility, and again, I thought I was going to go for an hour tour, and I was there for six and a half hours, and I saw everything that they do, all the businesses that they run, met you know the 40 or 50 guys at the time they had there, and it was really wild. As a person who views the world through kind of a documentary film lens, being invited so quickly into a place that everybody had their hearts on their sleeve. I mean, it's not true of everybody in every recovery circle that I've been in so far. Every person represents a complete unique story, even if in some ways the stories have some similarities. And one of the things I learned there is you kind of cut through the bullshit because the fact that everybody was in residential recovery, it already was assumed that something went off track. It's not, it didn't go how you had planned it to go. Right. And I think that allowed this this honesty or vulnerability or I noticed how fast they would laugh with and at each other and then how fast also they would be vulnerable or cry about something. And I asked Josh, who Josh and Cassidy are our main characters that we'll reference a lot. And Josh said, well, yeah, if we don't laugh every day, we would cry every day. And I think it's two sides to the same coin. It was about hope and about why they get out of bed and why they still continue to live and engage their addiction in the way that they do to find health and to move to a place where they could be like Josh says, I just want to be out of here. By the end of it, he just wanted to be out right. of recovery. I want to have a job and a, a, a partner and maybe get married again. Like he just wanted to, like, as he would describe, I just want to go back to being normal. And that was his words granted to you're never away from the addiction. You're always engaging your or Josh's addiction to stay as healthy as I can be today. So yeah. that's, that's a lot to say. That, that's <laughs> how I got involved is it kind of like sucked me in in a very real way. Yeah. What was, what was it about the the story? Cause it sounds like, you know, having worked in the recovery field for a long time and, and been in rehab and, and done all that, you know, I, I understand that story, but for someone from the outside coming in and, and mm-hmm. seeing this dynamic go on, it, it had to have some kind of pull on you. You had to see something there. Yeah. Well, I feel my, my job as a documentary filmmaker often is to build a relationship with a potential subject and it doesn't work. You, you, you do this a lot and it doesn't, every person that you think about filming isn't, doesn't, doesn't turn into a movie. I think you're, you're looking for trust. You're looking for vulnerability and honesty. You're looking for their ability to be natural on a camera. And so the fact that these guys have spent a life in a circle sharing 
vulnerable stories really helped them with with Mm. being honest with me. Then they were both considering themselves filmmakers. So they were comfortable around cameras and gear and and could just function as close to the truth version of themselves on camera. But then for me, filming movies, a lot of times is about finding subjects that are different than me. I'm not picking subjects that I can go share something I know about. It's the opposite. I'm trying to find people of different ages, genders, religious preferences, sexualities, like different expressions in the world so that when I go and hold a camera, I could be learning and and being shaped myself. And I think that was very true here. I have it in my family and, and, and have some of that experience with addiction, but it's unlike anything you could experience by being, and we ended up living at the recovery facility for a summer and we were on their schedule. You're up at 4am and it was just like, we got completely enveloped in the world. And that's what we aim for. And hopefully our audience, when you see clean slate, the same in some ways you'll feel seen and resonate with you depending on your story but in other ways it's just like when would you ever go spend 18 months at a recovery facility in this way and in that way the film can provide people who watch empathy i think is a huge thing that i learned is that it changes the way you see addiction it changes like the way that we would treat it and criminalizing it in the country if you see it as a disease it just you'd have a stereotype about what you might think about someone like if you ask my mom what she had thought about someone who had spent time in prison or with a felony or have an addiction. And then if she watches the movie and you say, okay, would you hang out with Josh and Cassidy? Yes. Would you hire Josh and Cassidy? Yes. Would you right. be friends with Josh and Cassidy? Yes. It really like can change your heart space and your brain space about the large and complicated world of addiction. So you really saw this other side of addiction that by doing this that you had never seen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. B- big, big time. I mean, I mean it's, the, the dynamics of, um, I, like you, I'm sure, have talked about all the different ways and elements of, of working towards health. The world of residential recovery is complicated because even in this residency, some of the people were there to hit rock bottom and were trying to get healthy. But other people were court mandated. And so it was like for Josh, it's go serve 10 years in prison or go try and stay sober for 18 months. And that's a really interesting dynamic that doesn't work out all the time. And so that world, I think, is just something that every single person we talked to could have been a feature film themselves. And every the world itself there could be a multi-seasons television show or something. So we were just inundated with all these amazing and incredible stories of lows and highs and hope and perseverance. And once we realized that we could boil it down to Josh and Cassidy, as my one of my college professors said, you could tell a really big story by telling it through a small window. And it's right. not a movie. Clean Slate doesn't have doctors. There's no white coats explaining to you what your brain does when you are on fentanyl. Like, it's not that. There, there's, there are those circles, and that can engage and inform the way that we treat addiction. But for Clean Slate, we just want to tell the human story and say, this is what it is now for people trying to be sober now. And these are the things that are influencing for, for good and for bad their journey. So, yeah, I mean, you really bring that, that the the humanness to it. Like you said, it's easy to talk about addiction from these kind of clinical terms and, and kind of in a way, very sterile expression. But when you jump in and see the, the human suffering, it's a completely 
different story. The, the human struggle, the struggle of the person who's trying to really work hard to to stay clean and and want something different, and how the grips of addiction, especially in this opioid crisis with fentanyl and all the dangers that come with that, there's something different there. Yeah. Well, for what I learned for them is they were so we we never want to make a film that jeopardized their health. Right. So we realized we made rules for ourselves before we even started. If and as relapse could hit or drugs become a part of the, the daily filming again, we'll not do anything that, that aids that, that encourages it, or that points a camera at them using. Because we wanted them to be healthy, right? I mean, we wanted it to be real right, and true. Right. But And so when relapse did happen and drugs re-entered some of their journeys, trying to say it without spoiling right, right. twists in the movie they still invited us around. And there was a key moment when someone was just like at a Waffle House and drugs are in the picture and they invited us. They called us and they called me to film them. And that's when I knew we had a film still. That's when I knew, oh man, they're going to go with us and let the audience really see uh, what is going on here. And when we did, so the film just came out. It came out on December 2nd and it's everywhere, YouTube and Google and Amazon and Apple and everything, which is really fun to have it out there. But while we test screened it, we showed it to different groups and some of the people that we showed it to in recovery center said, I feel really seen Hollywood really takes the recovery subject or drug use and really glamorizes Hollywoodizes it. And so I, they, there was this, like, I feel really seen by the film that it's not too ups and it's not too downs, but it's real life. But what we really were surprised by was the family members response. There was one lady who said, my brother has struggled with addiction for his whole life. And we have, I haven't talked to him in 10 years. He's been out of our family for 10 years. And after seeing the movie, I, I realized I've never re thought about what it is for him to be in his own head. And I should forgive him. But also I should show the film to my parents because I think we should reconcile our family. Yeah. And I was just kind of crying and being like, so you liked it? Like, I, how, do, how, do you, how do you write that into a film feedback session? Right. That's, that's why these stories matter. That's why it matters to keep talking about it, to podcasting it, to having stories exist that aren't just the same Hollywood film, but that Josh and Cassidy can add empathy and or reconciliation for other people because they were open to filming this season of their life as not perfect as it as it. Is. Yeah, and they were open yeah. to share that struggle of the addict in, in a way that you can see it so much more profoundly, I guess, in their life, the, the real struggle. And, and I think Clean Slate really does that successfully. I hope so. I mean, that's the way we interview Cassidy's brother by the end, and he says... It's just a one-off line, but it kind of really matters, and I fought for it to stay. But it's basically like... It's, it's not about decisions. There's that idea of like, well, if you could just make a better decision. And that's such an uninformed statement because yeah. as, as his brother says, maybe it's about you don't like how you feel every day. And maybe it's about finding a normality. And maybe like he just offers a bunch of, have you considered that maybe it's more complex than you've considered? Right. And I think that that little one-off from brother who's just there supporting and seeing his brother trying to achieve his dreams, but running into the very large hurdles of mental health and addiction. And it's just, that meant a lot to me. That meant a lot to me from someone who was already seeing it and just saying to you, the audience, kind of directly like, do you see it? Are you seeing what it is yet? And for me as the person holding the camera, that's exactly what I need to be asked over and over about any topic, but especially with Queen Slate. 
yeah. mental health and addiction. Yeah. What What do you think you learned the most about uh, addiction kind of coming from the outside in and seeing them struggle to put this film together and and all, you know, and at the same time struggling with their their mental health issues and their, and their addiction and what for you really stood out? What do you think you learned? How hard it is. I mean, kudos to all of you. If you're listening to this and this is part of your life and you are dressed and standing today, like, yay, like, amen and congratulations and pat yourself on the back. I, with these guys, like, they went through it and there are some really low moments. And the way that I, I just learned how much it hurts, like, I, I the more and I was in their lives and the closer I got, the more than their relapse or addiction when it would rear its ugly head would also hurt me. And in some ways that's an honor to be close to people and to have people in your lives that will um, be, be vulnerable with you. But also, as I've learned, addiction would take control and would be in charge. And I would be looking at the person of Cassidy, but I was not dealing with Cassidy. I was dealing with addiction. And I think that's something I really learned is what it means to talk to someone who's dressed the same and looks the same and has the same voice, but it's not the same person when addiction has reared its head or relapse or drugs are back in the picture. It, it and, totally changes uh, very, the whole dynamic. It changes oh, the man. person. They're it, not the, the same. It wasn't the same. And and when then they, I would have been in it long enough with them that then they would come back to a place of health where being able to talk about it and they could talk about themselves almost third person like the addiction. And that's realizing that you're talking about the disease or a thing that can come back or take control. And then what are what's the web of health? What are the, the, the stop gaps in your life? A mentor, a community, medication, like what are the things that are, you know, caring about your own diet and your own health and, and exercise? Like there's a lot of things that, they, you know, the art that you're making and the ways that you're writing poems or songs or painting to deal with the, the elements that are going on in your head or your soul for Cassidy are they're incessant. So he needs a place to channel those words in that writing and he has found art. So I could see now the way that they have these webs of health and slowly as addiction would get louder, they would start to sever them and things would get cut, right? They would stop replying to your calls or texts and they would stop, right? And then all of a sudden you go, oh, okay, this is where they're at. And, I, and I've learned, I didn't know that until I had been in it and then hurt by it or had my camera gear stolen and sold for drugs and that's how you learn, right? right. I mean, that's how. Yeah. That's how you learn. So, how, how do you balance that as a filmmaker? You know, here you're coming in to document this process, but at the yeah. same time, you're seeing this humanity of these people struggling and suffering, and you know, this is their dream, right? This is this is what they want so badly is to create their own film, and you're documenting that. I'm just wondering, balancing that. Those two. <laughs> it was really bad. <laughs> I'll never do it again. I I, I, wrote, I wrote my my. I ended up becoming a side character in the film, and it had to be. And it was sorry. It had to be, and and it was part of what was going on with the relapse. And and by the end, we were working. We make it to set on their short film, and it was terrible. It was really hard. And I think I didn't realize, like for Cassie's mental health, I didn't realize how strong his anxiety was or his social anxiety. And being a director, I mean, he needed to talk to 30 people at a time. And I don't know that that's in Cassidy as he's currently built. And so that some of that stuff reared harder and louder than I thought. And then it rained. And in the movie, you'll watch the rain and be like, oh, that was tough. It was terrible. We're dealing with a, half the crew are trying to stay sober and dealing with their own 
emotional capacities are full today. And then you put on that making, you've done some of this, making movies is hard enough. Making movies itself is a massive undertaking and moving a small circus to try and pull off something that's a miracle. Any any movie that you watch that's completed is a miracle. Bad movies are also took a lot of work to make. Yeah, so, absolutely. I, and then it rained and it started raining and it looked like we were we were cutting scenes and losing shots and things were ruined and it was really bad. And those days were really hard. So in most of me was miserable looking at them, hoping that they were healthy. But then part of me was like, well, I guess the documentary will be better. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I was still wearing all hats on set, but uh, I, we were rooting for them all the time. There's a reason my company is called People People Media, because we're for people. Like we, In the end, we're there to learn and be quality people that support people. So we wanted them to succeed, but also as a, a documentary filmmaker, needed them to, to be what they were going to be and needed them to have the stakes of maybe we fail in order for it to be true to life. Yeah, it almost sounds like as you're talking that you could really relate to a family member. I mean, you you care about them and you're holding that tension of like you're rooting for them, yet it's so fragile at the same time. And here they are doing this big task that you know is so meaningful to them. And it, it almost feels like I could see you as like you're a family member there and having to wrestle that and be able to hold all that. The powerlessness. I mean, what you do is imperative, right? Like what you do as a, a spouse or a sibling or a family member, a, a good friend is just so needed for you to be in the web of health. But you're not their savior. I'm, I, I was not responsible for their sobriety. And so at some point, like it's, it's, there's a powerlessness. I know that comes to like the first step or step zero to one, like but for someone who is new to the world, that is a hard one to realize and, and to, to realize I can do my best. I can be the most consistent presence I can be. I can support in all the ways I can. And in the end, I'm not responsible for whether they're going to use or not um, or whether they're going to take the next step towards health or not. And that's incredibly hard. That, I mean, that, that, that is hard, especially when it comes around to you if you're in an intimate relationship with someone like this where it continues to you will end up enabling and or they're using you for to feed their addiction. And that has been that that relationship of friend versus enabler is something that I've fallen into and worked through myself and then now have an, an immense amount of grace and empathy for others in the world that are also find themselves in that role is just really hard, really hard. It sounds like doing this project really had a, a personal impact on you and your own personal growth of having to look at yourself as you interact in, in, in these dynamics, having to look at your own stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope so. I, I mean, there's, there's other careers I could be doing. There's sometimes I just want to be a bartender <laughs> just be like, I can listen to people's stories and be a help. But at the end of the day, I can leave work at work, right? And with film, it comes with you. Film film gets in, under your skin and in your brain and in your heart. And if we're doing it well and we're choosing roles that aren't, or video projects aren't, you know, just selling our, our souls for corporate work stuff, which at some point you got to pay a bill, we might need to get there. But I'm lucky at this point in my life, I can look back and see now a body of work of films that I've made and the people that we followed and the ways that I'm different because we made those films. So I hope that for Clean Slate, we spent five plus years making a movie that you can all watch in an hour and a half. And I hope that that's a gift, that I hope that in that hour and a half, you can have some of the things that you've said that you've seen and thought and felt and 
I'm different and you'll be different, but you didn't have to do five years of work to make it exist. <laughs> you can watch it for four bucks in an hour and a half. And, and then if it helps you and or the people in your lives, it's, it's a thing worth sharing. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I was just thinking about that. I mean, like this, like you said, this project, you know, when you watch it, it's an it's a hour and a half journey. But for you walking through this five year process and getting the nuts and bolts of that together and and organizing that, what was that process like? Oh, I, movies like this kind of sometimes surprise you. And the way that it grew was very organic. It was just very relational and real. And I and I think that it comes across in the film because it feels very fly on the wall. It feels like the cameras aren't there. And I think that's a real compliment to a documentary is when it feels like your presence didn't influence or upset what the world would have been without you. And I think that came because it was slow and it was natural. And the length of which the post-production took was also because of recovery. I mean, there were three men in that film department area. And by the time we got the film on the hard drive, all three of them had relapsed and or left the program. So the support that I thought we were going to get on the back end wasn't there. And I think part of that journey is also us learning the lessons as we were walking a film through post-production, trying to help them finish the short film and then make the feature film. So yeah, it, it, was, it was a natural process and it took a long time because of the nature of the subject, but uh, it ends up making for a very realistic film in the most, the best way I could ever hope a documentary would turn out for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these characters, these people, I don't want to call them, I guess you call them characters, subjects. but the yeah. subjects, yeah, I mean, the real people, I mean, just hearing their story and walking through that and then walking through some of that that hardship that they, they go through. I mean, it just has to be so challenging. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting too, the glimpses we'd get. Like there's a really tough interview moment with his mom, Cassidy's mom. And at the end of the movie, they, they, we ask, the cameraman asks her, do you think that making movies will help Cassidy stay sober? And you can see this moment where it's real quick, but she kind of like looks at the camera person and looks at Cassidy and then looks back and you just realize like she's deciding how honest she wants to be yeah. before she answers and gives a pretty brutal answer. And yeah. that's what we're doing. That's, that's the hope is that whatever we had done in the point to the, in the relationship up to that point, she knew that she could trust us to give us a real answer and that we were worth it and that Cassidy was worth it. And I think that's why we make movies like this. Like if we wrote this movie like a script and you did it with actors, you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't buy it. Some of the, the stuff that they no. do or say would feel fake. And then it just would feel contrived. But once you're in it for them and, and you're, you're on board rooting for them, then it really is something to cheer for and something that you get crushed by at the same time. Yeah, I think that like what you say, that's the, that's the whole hard part, especially with addiction, because you're rooting and you, you're pulling and you're getting crushed at the same time. And, you're, and, and it's so hard to, to watch that unfold for them and for the people who are trying to support them and all of the people in their recovery circles and and the program and the recovery house that they were at that sounds amazing like they were it sounds like they were really super supportive and so encouraging and patient yeah well that's why i've learned in since finishing the film and touring it around and I hope we get to continue to do that and show it. Anybody can screen it at any time with any group they want. 
and just calling in and doing Zoom Q&As with people. We just want the word to spread. But that's what I've learned is the different approaches places take. And there are zero tolerance places and there are places that take different approaches with that and what is and isn't your sobriety and are you weaning off? Are you doing cold turkey from everything? And some places we're doing no cigarettes. And then you'll walk to another place and be like, everybody has got a cup of coffee and a cigarette in their hand because right. it's, what are we addicted to, right? So it's just, it's all different cultures. And in the world of recovery, there are things that sometimes, like Josh says, good on my grandpa, he got sober the first time. But for me, I'm, I'm on my 13th or 14th recovery center. So I think there's a lot. I'm learning the studies behind the science behind the different approaches to recovery and realizing it's not a one size fits all. That's what yeah. I'm learning is how that place really works for some people and for others, they have would resonate or do best in a different uh, place. Yeah. One of the things I learned there too is like for Cassidy, he mentions in the film that he is bipolar and has since gotten diagnosed as such. But one of the medications that helps regulate uh, Cassidy the, the most, the best, is also one of the medications he's addicted to. So what's best for Cassidy to be in, a, you know, and I know there's systems and there's one pill a day places and, but man, that you being in a place where you can't have your pills that you need is, is I've watched it be a difficult situation for Cassidy. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, yeah. you know, treating addiction is, is a complex process and there's so many things yeah. going on that it just, it becomes, you know, what, where is the best treatment? And I think everybody's got to find, what works for them and keep trying and, and keep trying different ways. So with this film, what do you hope people are going to get out of it when they walk away after they watch it? I recognize that addiction and mental health are so complicated. There's so many facets that what I hope is that people find truth, that there's like capital T truth in it, that it's not necessarily maybe your truth. It's not your story, but by by being able to access the story through these really vulnerable, funny, and engaging character subjects, Josh and Cassidy, that there will be things that are true and that you will feel that something's been reflected or bounced back or shown to the world that is unique and that is valuable. And whatever it is, because it's different for everybody. It's different for people that may... We, we've come to the phrase that everybody knows someone in recovery or someone who should be. And so if you're at a, a place, if you're at step zero, right. maybe you're realizing, oh, there's there's space for me to go engage the steps and or health recovery. And then if you're in it and you've been doing it, maybe there's a sigh of relief to realize you're not alone and there are other people doing it and you can find some encouragement to your journey. But then if you're a friend or family member, man, that could be a really cathartic space to see it happen and to see it happening in somebody else. So it's not just your people and your loved one and your story, but being able to have some objective viewing of the truth. So in these guys and Cassidy and Josh, so I, I hope it's, I hope it's a laugh, cry, laugh. It's a, a movie clean slate is worth your time. But in the end, I hope it brings some sort of catharsis or healing or encouragement um, or empathy to the subject matters. Well, I think you've been very successful at doing that. So I would encourage everybody to check it out and go rent it wherever you can get the movie. And I think it's just, I think it's a great, I, I enjoyed it so much. And it was just, it was heartwarming and encouraging and also sad and realistic. And I think you really did did an incredible job in, in, in this film. So uh, I loved it. All right. But before we go, before we end, 
I always like to ask every guest just one question. Maybe someone's out there and maybe they're struggling with addiction and or maybe they're a family member and you could tell them one thing from all of your your learnings from this experience of doing this and watching these individuals go through their process. And what would you want to tell them? What would you want to say? That is a really good and tough question. I've got a couple of things I'd want to say, but I think the main thing I'd want to say, I'm thinking of my specific person right now, is just, I, I see your regret and I, I know that that's real. I know that it's not what you've wanted it to be and you haven't been what you wanted to be all the time. But this family still has space for you. We have grace for you. We love you. We're encouraged by you. And I've seen the way it has happened. It will only happen more that you'll use the things that you've been through or are going through to encourage other people. And that maybe those are stories that you can continue to tell yourself or start to tell yourself louder because the ones that are negative will always be there and are easy for you to tell yourself. But I would challenge you uh, to tell yourself the stories of the ways that you've been an encouragement and that you've been hope and that you've been able to help people around you already. And you're not even where you want to be yet. So thank you for your honesty and keep telling your story as often as you can. Cause I, I hope it benefits you as well. Awesome. I can tell making this movie has touched you deeply. <laughs> Thanks Dwayne. <laughs> so it's awesome. And I, I think people watching it will be touched in the same way. So where can people find it? They want to know more about it. They want to watch it. Where can, where can they go? Yeah. Clean slate is available now on YouTube, Google play, Apple TV, Amazon Prime. It's available to rent and buy on all those places. And it's gonna it's coming to a bunch more soon. But all of those places are rent or buy it. And if you want to watch our other films, feature films, and all our short films are free on peoplepeoplemedia.com. Peoplepeoplemedia.com has all the information about everything. Try and filter it all through that place so that people can see what's coming out. What's awesome. I will put all those links in the show notes at theaddictedmind.com. Thank you so much, Jared, for coming on and just sharing your journey. Cheers. Thank you all. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. As usual, all the show notes will be at theaddictedmind.com. So check it out there. You can find links to the documentary Clean Slate. So definitely check that out. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to click the subscribe button in whatever podcast app you use or share the podcast with a friend. And if you'd like to continue the conversation online, join our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook, type in the Addicted Mind podcast and click join. All right, everyone, have a wonderful rest of your day. And I will talk to you on the next episode. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. 
If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.